Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we tease the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. We talk about net neutrality getting hit over the head again by the FCC. We talk about Squares missing cash on Android laptop. Uh, we talk about AT&T going into the video biz, and we've got some non-tech picks you can enjoy with your tech. All that and more on tonight's Don't Panic. Stay with us. This is Don't Panic, episode number 44, recorded April 28th, 2014, on FCC's pay-to-play, Squares Missing Cash, and Talk of Tablets. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Don't Panic, uh, the technology podcast that talks about technology. I'm Sean Jennings, and I'm joined by the Orville and Wilbur Wright of technology. That would, of course, be Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. Uh, And, of course, that would make me the guy you see in all the old-timey footage with the wings strapped to his arms who falls off the cliff. That's, that's, That's who I am to this show, and I'm happy to be that guy. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm... As usual, when when I do a podcast away from home, like last week, I'm glad to be back at my command center here. With yeah, your your quality is mildly better. <laughs> you're, you're, Fair you're, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, how about we start this week's show with a big announcement? I should have had a graphic for that. That was a missed opportunity on my part. I promise I'll post. Post. <laughs> I'm way too lazy for that, Dan. I can assure <laughs> you. Um, I think there's been at least half a dozen times on the show I said I f- I would fix something in post and then just never did. So, um, no. How about a big announcement? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm May first is the official launch of the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Yes. Whoa. Bam. Now, many of you may be asking yourself, what the heck is Sean talking about? Well, that's a fair point. Um, as part of a large project I've overtaken over the last three to four months, uh, I irresponsibly decided to start a podcast network, um, the flagship of which, of course, is Don't Panic, but uh, adding shows all the time, one, of course, hosted by Colby and Dan called Change Mode, all about uh, computer programming and you, so, uh, which is wonderful. We also have a show on television called Live on Tape, uh, and we have other shows in development, and the website is coffeeandbeer.tv. Um... The, the, I like to say the three main pillars of the network are shows that are smart, engaging, and intelligent, shows that are fun, entertaining, and engaging, and shows that have high audio and video production quality, which Colby pretty much ruins, but we're still going to continue to try. Um, I, no, I'm okay. kidding. Is there like, is, I don't know anything about video editing. Is there like a an auto-enhance button like there is on iPhoto where you could just like like sharpen Every frame of Colby. I mean, Dan, it would probably be easier for us to just get a new co-host. No one can replace <laughs> Colby. Sean, you're I love a liar. How nobody rela- laughed at that. Everyone was like, "Sean, are you serious?" <laughs> <laughs> we can't get rid of Colby. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Oh my gosh. Um, no, you can't let jokes go too far. Though. That's true. No, we love Colby. Um, and he is an integral part of this show and Change Mode. So you got to visit coffeeandbeer.tv. <laughs> Um, there are links to all of our social media, all of the shows, audio, video, subscription links. I've gone the whole nine yards on all of it. Um, we have shows taping throughout the week, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Saturdays. Um, but are you guys ready for the big part of the news? 
I, I like the enthusiasm, Colby. So the the big news is that because May is our launch month, we are having a May Madness swag giveaway. Wow! Boom! Mind's blown. Can we can, can you change it to like May Madness swag radness? Uh, I could. Okay. Will you? Uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> No, I mean, we are, I am giving away out of my own pocket t-shirts and mugs for all the shows and the networks. I mean, this is free stuff, people. And the best part is, it's free to enter. Anyone can enter. You guys can't because you're on the network. But everyone else can enter. There's going to be change mode mugs, too? Oh, yeah. Each show is going to get mugs and t-shirts. Oh, my gosh. I know. So here's how you enter, though. It's not an easy entry. I wanted to make it so there's a little effort involved, okay? Each week of the, for the month of May, we're going to highlight a show across the network. This week, we're just going to highlight the network. Starting next week, I think it'll be Don't Panic's week. And on all the shows and on all our social media, we're going to put out a code word. You can't win unless you know the code word. That's incentive to get you to watch the shows and follow us on social media. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Okay. So on the entry form, you just need your name, your email, and the code word. If you have any of the code words, uh, you'll be entered to win that prize. And uh, all the information is on the website, coffeeandbeer.tv slash giveaway. Uh, there's all of the disclaimers and the entry form there, how many times you can enter, what the prizes are. Uh, so for this week, we're giving away Coffee and Beer Network swag. We've got mugs and we've got T-shirts with our logo on it. They're sweet. Um, but you got to know this week's code word. So the code word is launch. Very simple. If, but see, this is it. If you try and enter without the word launch, it doesn't count. So go on the website. Uh, and to get updates on all this, by the way, follow Facebook and Twitter. But um, code word launch, coffeeandbeer.tv slash giveaway. Get some free stuff. Be a fan of our shows. Um, and check out the other shows on the network. And I'm so excited to make uh, May our May Madness launch month. Amen. Us I'm too. Sorry. I'm also excited. And and I, uh, yeah. Now go ahead. And, and I have to say, uh, Change Mode is an absolutely phenomenal show hosted by these two guys. Uh, and I have to say, uh, we are doing an episode this Wednesday night, uh, May first. Uh, no. True facts. May first is the thirtieth. Or I'm sorry, Wednesday's the thirtieth. <laughs> April thirtieth. First is April thirtieth. Holy uh, shit. You know, these calendars are so complicated. Uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, coffeeandbeer.tv slash live. So uh, check that out there. And we'll, we'll give you uh, the code word and we'll remind you all to enter to win. So um, very cool. Very cool. All right. Now that I've taken up enough of our time uh, here off the offset, uh, why don't we move into the top story? Okay. Um, can you guys hear the little ditty music that plays when I say let's move into the top story? Oh, no. no. Is that why you're the, uh, long That's why I, I've, I... Let, I've let Colby make silly little comments <laughs> in between those things, assuming that you'll edit it out in the end. No, again, I don't, and I think it's hilarious. But uh, <laughs> no, no, it's because you guys can't hear it. But a little music plays, and there's a little graphic. Um, so it, that's why if I awkwardly pause like that, that's, you know, so you know why. But I think it's funny when Colby does that. Um, so this week, uh, Pandemonium... And... <laughs> Pandemonium broke out across the internet as uh, plans were 
loosely leaked. I mean, they weren't, it's not an official announcement. Plans don't go into place until May 15th, but the FCC basically said um, that they are going to propose new rules that allow companies to pay internet service providers for special faster lanes to send content to their customer. So what does that mean? That means that let's say I'm Netflix and let's say Dan is Comcast. I could go up to Dan and go, Dan, I'm not happy with the way Comcast customers are getting our Netflix video. If I like slip you 50 under the table, can you make sure they get it like now, like fast? And you would say, sure. Exactly. And it would be legal and the FCC would be all for it. Um, this somewhat flies in the face of the concept of net neutrality, the idea that no providers uh, should face discrimination in providing offering to customers, saying that all websites get the same equal access uh, to the Internet. Now, it's important to note that these uh, the FCC has vehemently said that um, that they're standing by their open Internet rules. Um, and it's important to note that uh, ISPs cannot slow down other traffic. They do have to continue to offer a minimum amount of service. They can't discriminate against other content, but what they can do is accept money to enhance content. Everyone gets the same baseline. You can only go up rather than down. <coughs> Have we, aren't we in agreement that this is the same thing that Comcast did with Netflix? And didn't we agree that that wasn't a violation of net neutrality? Um, yes. Okay. Did you agree that? Why? So, because, com whatever, Netflix is how much of the internet traffic? Like 60%? A lot, yeah. And it's yeah. in everyone's best interest to have as few hops between an internet service provider and Netflix. That's not illegal. Or I don't think that's wrong at all. What is wrong is to say, you as the customer have to pay more to even get Netflix. Yeah, or like the the five ninety five extra four ninety five extra per month for the streaming video package. That's what's wrong, and but that is what the F the FCC thing possibly enables, right? Uh, yeah. So that's one of the things opponents of this are saying is that it could ultimately raise prices for consumers, uh, because wait, which. Yes, yeah, so it would I mean Netflix would end up having to charge you more to make up for the difference they have to pay to a Comcast or a Verizon. Um, your ISP wouldn't charge you more. That would be double billing. They're already getting money from the service. Well, I mean, they could. <laughs> um, but we've already seen Amazon Prime raise their price. Netflix has already talked openly about raising their prices. Um, they haven't said it's directly because of this, but it's, you know, it's fair to say that, that there's a possible correlation. Um, the other thing that's important to note about this is that under the proposal, broadband providers would have to disclose how they treat all internet traffic and on what terms they offer more rapid lanes. Um, it would also require internet service providers to disclose whether in assigning these yeah. faster lanes. What are, what, is, what are lanes? It's. I think that's a term so dumb people who don't know how the internet works, like me, um, get what they mean. But it's kind of like what we talked talked about last time it's this idea that and it says in this article and i would rather read what the new york times wrote because they are significantly smarter than me <laughs> um which has to do with that uh last leg of internet delivery 
Um, so that, the, well, the last mile, as it's usually yes. called, yes, is from the ISP to your house. Right. That's the faster lane. Isn't that just paying your ISP for faster internet, which we already have? I, well, uh, maybe Sean will correct me when, when, when he, he takes it out of the articles, but I, I was under the impression that the, like, the faster, the thing they were doing was, like, from the ISP to Netflix, like, Right. Well, that's what the first agreement was that we talked about just right. now. But this, the FCC ruling or policy that they released is a separate issue, I think. So, so here, this is, it was on the verge. Uh, uh, Netflix would also like to see the rules govern actual infrastructure for moving data, preventing service providers from charging companies fees. But the FCC says it will not be doing this for now, with its rules only covering what's known as the last mile between providers and their customers. So, yeah, I still don't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I'm... Because I think what... A company like Netflix is afraid of is they're going to get charged for the whole process. That last mile, but also the entire infrastructure itself. But the FCC doesn't cover that for now. It's so, only covering that last mile allowing this. Allowing what? Companies to pay for faster access. So... Oh, right. I see. So instead of... The customer paying for faster access to everything. It's the company paying for faster access to the customer. Yes, exactly. It, all data will get to that your local ISP data center the same, but in that last mile to your home is where it makes the difference. And my guess would be it's things like uh, priority and delivery and um, things like that that are affected based upon how much a company pays. Mm. That. that seems really scary yeah no and i, I know I, I know they said like you know they can make one like it's okay for one company to pay to be faster but you can't like throttle others but like by making one faster like you already made the other slower like if you if you could make like basically what this tells me is that isps are holding back to like no i i, I I, no, I think I think that's kind of misleading. I think this idea of faster may not be fair because I don't. I think it has things to do with priority, and like they said, it, it's, it will be against the law for them to slow down other companies. There's a baseline, whatever baseline of service you pay for, is that's what they have to provide. Um, it's just a question of making other companies faster, and I I. Are they well, holding? okay, okay. So here's here's the here's my thing. It's not it's not that like sure that's fine right now, but like if this is if if this is what they go with, there what's the incentive for for the Comcast of the world to increase the baseline? Like if they keep the baseline the same forever, then they'll have like, companies vying over one another to to fight for better access instead of. 
fighting with other ISPs to provide faster internet. Right. Really what they're which, doing... Which screws the little guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, we've talked before about ISPs purchasing one another and getting, you know, bigger and bigger. And really what they've done is they've shifted this ability to get faster, better internet off of the ISPs and onto these companies. Because soon what you're going to be doing is you're going to say, well, I like Netflix and I like Hulu, but, you know, Netflix pays my ISP and they're so much faster. Hulu takes forever not that they're being slowed down just that you don't have that fast of an internet connection but man netflix seems to be a lot faster so i'm gonna i'm gonna get a netflix subscription instead of a hulu that's really your worst case scenario yeah yeah i mean I, i'm i'm oh you know me i'm always happy to play devil's advocate um i mean i don't think I don't think there's something inherently wrong in this concept of companies paying for better access if there are rules in place to govern it. Because you know right away all these companies are going to be looking for loopholes as to how they can exploit this new rule. Uh, again, as long as all other services are being given that baseline of service... And as long as the companies that are paying actually need the extra bandwidth, I mean, Netflix, let's be honest, I mean, they're pushing HD soon 4K video over these streams. They need the priority. Yeah. It's not something they want or something they like. I mean, they really need it. Um, and if they have to pay companies to get it, it, they have to. So in a case like Netflix, I don't necessarily see a problem with that. But if you get a company like Twitter or something paying for this access, I mean, they're mainly a text and photo website. Um, they don't necessarily really need faster access, and, and it may hurt others. So I don't think inherently it's wrong, but it can certainly be executed poorly. Yeah, but... Uh, Tell me I'm wrong, Dan, please. Well, I'd think Twitter would gladly pay, despite the fact they make almost no money. Uh, Twitter, like, every, tenth, every 10 milliseconds increases your conversion rate. Which means you make more money, uh, yeah. but you know, I'm not convinced that Twitter makes money. But uh, no, I mean, I mean that that's absolutely true. Like, yeah, like page load times are a huge deal, um, and like decreasing latency or you know increasing bandwidth. Like, you know, Twitter and Facebook, like their picture pictures are a big deal, and like. You know, on on a picture heavy site like that takes a while. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it's no, it's not, it's not HD video, right? But it's still a lot of data. Um, it's like a non-trivial amount of data. God, I hate when people say that, and I just <laughs> non-trivial asshole. Uh, you know, and I well. <laughs> I, and I think a, an important aspect to remember is this idea of desktop versus mobile. I mean, it was made public this week for the first time that uh, there are more mobile-only users of Facebook than desktop-only users of Facebook. Um, I mean, we, we see this huge shift in mobile traffic, and that's where speeds are more limited than going into your home. Um, I think there is where things get interesting with these companies being paid. I mean... I, I would be curious to know how much you have to pay to really see a big difference in these speeds on your laptop. But I bet you would see a much bigger... And we talked about this. AT&T said they were going to do this with their sponsored data where companies could pay and cover the data costs for customers using their apps. Um, 
I think mobile is the really interesting side here, and so far the FCC hasn't said that uh, mobile would be covered in this currently proposed uh, law. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't know. Feels bad. It's it's like bad. it's it's so hard to articulate why it feels bad too. Well, I mean, it's you know it's fascinating. The the it, it's a cultural thing, really. It's a media thing. We've been trained. I mean, think 1984. I mean, we've been trained to not trust large monopolies. We've also been taught not to trust our government. Put those two things together, and you have a recipe for complete pissed offness. And then, and then, God forbid, take away our freedoms. Um, you know, which, which you could so easily spin that into giving our freedoms to corporations, and people are automatically going to get upset. I think just if if they were saying they were doing this to telephones or they were doing this to your electricity, I mean, I think anyone would feel bad. So, yeah, I guess it like. I don't know. It just feels very uninternet-y. Like, well, I guess I guess my question is like, if Netflix were starting Netflix, Netflix like streaming now, would they be able to afford to do it? Like, uh-huh. would it have happened? You know, like if they had to pay for that at in the first place. And obviously, that's a silly question because Netflix was like. Well, yeah, but what about the next Netflix? What about the thing that that would have been way more awesome than Netflix, but now they're kind of priced out of the game? Right, right. And what about like, I don't know, like like BitTorrent or like things that make the internet great and really powerful all of a sudden aren't as great or powerful for the average person because... Things that were were free before are not like don't function as well as things that aren't well, free. Well, could could BitTorrent even be affected by this? Well, because again, again. Well, no. Go ahead. BitTorrent is distributed amongst many providers, and even if they're all getting the baseline, you're getting like an aggregate of that. Yeah, but I mean, you you as the consumer of like you're still limited by what by the bandwidth that your ISP allocate is giving to you. True. Uh, which and what what I mean, obviously there are like different tiers of internet plans and things, but like Netflix can, according to this, as as far as I understand, like a company like Netflix would be able to pay instead of you paying for more bandwidth, they pay for your bandwidth. When you're right. accessing Netflix, right, um, which you don't get for for anything else, who's like anyone who's not paying Netflix. I mean, paying Comcast. Sure. I mean, hypothetically, under these rules as proposed, you wouldn't see a change in your BitTorrent traffic or in any other service traffic. You would only see improvement in the services that pay. Now, of course, we've talked, you know, loopholes and things like that, and and will it work out perfectly? No. But as the rules are stated, regardless of who pays your ISP, your service should remain the same, only get better for the companies that pay. Now, you could make the argument, well, won't Comcast just slow them down so then they'll have to pay? You know, I mean, obviously that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to slow them down, though. They can just, like, I don't know. That's That's a, like... 
I feel like that's that's some some spin right there. Like that's half the that it's one perspective or the perspective from one point in time. And like I guess I already said this, but like you know, the our 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 hopefully our capacity for like you know, bandwidth and the infrastructure for how fast we can get the internet to people's homes will increase. Um, but if the baseline is like, what's the baseline right now? That's like, how is, is, is it defined? And maybe that's the question. Like, are the, will the baseline be reevaluated every year? Like, is that something that's going to change? Is the government going to do that? Well, the baseline is like when you say you pay for 20 megabits per second. Right, right. So, what's the in like? Where's the incentive for that baseline to increase? Because like, this is this is computers. It should be increasing. <laughs> now, according to 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 the rule, uh, the FCC will determine whether. So it says the rules will allow providers to charge companies for preferential treatment so long as they offer that treatment to all interested parties on a commercially reasonable terms, which the FCC. Uh, will decide on a case-by-case basis. So it will be up to the FCC to... And we know how great the FCC is. Yeah. Okay. It's really... I mean, I guess, like... I guess it's partially solved by requiring the... these companies to make all this stuff public. Yeah, that... I mean, that's a big step. Yeah, I am glad that that's in there. Right. Because then you know, like, if your baseline is is like, you know, 15 megabits a second or whatever, and Netflix is getting like, you know, 60 or something crazy um, to your house, then, you know, I mean, I guess you can see those sorts of things. Of Um, course, then the problem is if you don't like it, there's no competition in your area and they're the only (laughs) ISP you can get. So what are you going to do about it? Well... See, maybe that's the maybe that's like the hope that comes from mobile networks because mobile networks don't really. I mean, they do to a certain extent, but like you can have AT and T and Verizon, and they work in the same place. True. True. So maybe wireless is the future. Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point it's it's hard for us to admit, but the internet has stopped becoming this free exchange of information. This all-encompassing knowledge and it's turned into a business that's about making money um and it sucks and it feels bad but it's the world we live in and we'll keep fighting the good fight good keep on fighting it yeah screw you fcc uh speaking of they are the worst well you know what dan maybe you'll learn something about them today in our trivia challenge oh boy That's where the music was playing. Um, So today's trivia challenge is all about the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC. Actually, that should have been a question. What does FCC stand for? Uh, But I'm sure you knew that. Uh, Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, These are just generally open-ended questions. Some of the answers will be numbers or words or something. Um, And it's whoever gets the the answer correct first, and I'll just keep bouncing between you guys until someone gets it. Um, we'll start with Dan. Dan, what year was the FCC formed? <laughs> I, you know what? I'll give you a two plus or minus year buffer. If you're, if you're within that four year range. Oh, okay. 
1964. No, Colby. Uh, 1948. Better, but no. Dan. <coughs> 1954. No, Colby. Come on, guys. When 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 did radio become popular? Ah. Uh, oh. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> 1934. Oh, fuck. Fuck indeed. Um, <laughs> all right, so how about this? Uh, we'll make it to the nearest $100 million. What is the annual budget of the FCC? To the nearest $100 million. It's really not hard. Colby gets to guess first. $100 million. Uh, No. <laughs> Dan. Damn. <laughs> um... To the nearest... 100 million. I don't know. A million. <laughs> 1.5 billion. No, 300 million. Wow. Oh, really? You guys know nothing about the FCC. We don't. Do you know who the chairman is? No. Uh, I don't think anyone knows that. Is it in one of the articles? Um, Maybe. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, so I'm cheating. Um, all right, how about this? How many employees does the FCC have? Anyone Anyone? shout out a number. 2,000. Ding, 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 I'll accept it. 1,898. So that's pretty good. Um, and our last trivia question, and you will not be able to, to get this, but you're welcome to try. The FCC has identified six goals in its latest strategic plan, things that essentially the FCC covers. What are these six goals? One of them is expanded broadband, right? Well, broadband, so yes, we'll we'll take that. Ding ding ding. All right, okay. can, I, can you get another? No. Um, can you repeat the question? The, FC, <laughs> the FCC has listed six goals for itself. What are those six goals? Making sure no one said he ever hear the bad word on TV. <laughs> uh no. Uh, well, public safety and homeland security. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. Really? Yes. Homeland security? Uh, we'll loosely take it. Uh, the other ones we were looking for was competition. <laughs> what a joke. Um, uh... Spectrum. Media. And modernize the FCC. What is media? That's their goal? No, it's just the media? one word. No, it's just the one word they use to describe it. What it actually... The actual, like, written description of what media means is um, the nation's media regulations must promote competition and diversity and facilitate the transition to digital modes of delivery. Digital. Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> wow, that was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that was a blast. I, uh, I know. Slow down. Relax. That was a really competitive one there. My heart is racing. Um, so that means <laughs> we've got to move on to other news. <laughs> So what else? Can we talk about this Android laptop? Why is that a thing? Yeah, um, we can, because I actually think this is an interesting story. So it, was, uh, it wasn't officially announced, but it was leaked on the HP website this week that HP is joining Lenovo in making Android laptops. Uh, it's called the Slatebook 14. Um, perhaps the most interesting part of this entire laptop is that it has full access to the Google Play Store. 
Uh, other features include a 14-inch 1080p display and a full-size keyboard, uh, Beats audio technology, 2 gigabytes of RAM, 16 gigabytes of internal storage. Um, so the question is, why is this a thing? <laughs> On one side, I mean, it's kind of like an Android tablet with a permanent keyboard attached. I mean, based yeah. on the specs alone, I mean, you're, I mean, it's big. It's 14 inches. That, I guess, would be the other differentiator. But I guess the real question is, why is it not running Chromebook? Well, because uh, people don't know what Chromebook is, and but they do know what Android is. Yes. Also, I feel like, in at least in a way, there's more... There's, there's more, like... I mean, the Play Store is probably more... Oh, absolutely. ...intense than the, the Chrome Web Store. Um, not, not to say that, like, what can't you do just in a web browser? Very, There's almost nothing, right? But, like... Um, I mean, I think it makes and, sense. Yeah. But you what know, do most people do, even, that isn't in a web browser? Literally nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then, like, I, th I, I think you're right, though. It's like, a, what do people know? People know Android. I, but my question is, so, Sean, maybe maybe you can talk about this, because, like, I, I haven't used an Android tablet in a really long time. Yeah. Um, so when I used them, they were pretty bad, and, like, the apps were just like scaled up versions of, of the phone app. Like sometimes like the text wasn't even bigger or anything. It was just like, it was literally the phone app like stretched out and the text was the same size. So it would be like Twitter was like these tiny little pictures and text and it like didn't even fill up the whole screen and bullshit like that. Um, what is that? Is I can that speak to this if Sean can't. Uh, I would like to hear what Dan has to stay, say first, and then if I have anything to add, I'll follow him up. So as far as I can tell, you're still exactly right. And when, <laughs> when like, Honeycomb first came out, there was a little bit of push for some apps, and there hasn't been any since then. Uh, if Sean has anything to add, though, I think that we're also experiencing a much less drastic but similar cliff in the uh, iPad world. I don't know if you've read any stories about that. No, I haven't. I'm so, interested now. I well, when the Apple earnings came out last week or something, yeah. people were talking about how the iPad sales had slowed. Question mark. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was some talk about how, like, what cool tablet apps are there, Android or iPad, that you want to use? Like, what? app is there on the iPad now that is like, oh my gosh, this is why I need to have an iPad because this experience is enabled only on this large screen. Right. And yeah, I think nothing really. There's the drawing one, paper. Paper? Yeah, yeah. they are a couple, but yeah. Paper. There's games. I don't really play games on my mobile devices though. Well, threes, so but threes is on the iPhone too. I, I play games on my iPad. I don't play games on my phone. As, okay. As a strict rule of thumb. So yeah, there's I, our, I, our favorite Magic the Gathering 
game that's only available on the iPad. FTL is available on the iPad now. Oh. To be honest, like I think I think games are the one thing that I like. I think the iPad is good for it. Like that's the only thing I do with my iPad. But even the Android, so going back to Android, Android tablets also don't have any games as far as I know. And you're right, the the Twitter, even Twitter and I'm pretty sure even Facebook are just stretched yeah. out apps with right. the text I, super I, small. Yeah, I've never, I've, like I said, I've never used, I haven't used an Android tablet in years, which was long before I, I worked at Facebook, so I, I have absolutely no idea what our app looks like. So, on Android, But I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I've recommended people who have Android tablets to just use the web view on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, my... So here's what I'm thinking. First of all, Colby, you've gotten me addicted to FTL. Thank you. Um, I'm still really bad at it. I'm getting better slowly. Um, <laughs> to, to, to be honest, I just made it all the way through the game yesterday on the plane back from Rhode Island. Um, I've, I've gotten one stop short. I've gotten really close. So. Um, nice. It's getting to know how to learn. But yeah, so I am a big fan. Um, and you know how picky I am about mobile games. So uh, you nailed that one. But as far as Android tablets go, my perception has always been it's it's better, not best. I mean, I, if you took uh, an Android tablet today and put it side by side with one of those original Honeycomb tablets, I mean, obviously you're going to see a huge improvement. My guess is going to be I.O. this year is going to be a make or break for Android tablets. I really do. They're not going to mention it, I bet. No, I, I, from what I've read, it's going to be a, a not a full number update, but it's going to be a fit and finish type of update, and that's part of what it's missing, because I think the core underlying stuff works well. It's like you said, the other half is app developers who are just scaling up their apps, who are just... Well, they're not even doing that. Android does that for them. I think is what's happening. Well, it it does, but they can put more work in to make it better. Oh yeah, they just do it automatically, and I think some of that's Google's fault, some of it's developers' fault, and some of it's just the fact that iOS is a dominant force, especially in tablets. Um, yeah, where's, I mean, it's also it's also a a trade off thing. Like speaking speaking from experience, like developing for for this like sort of responsive type like many layouts is really hard like even i mean even at work our 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 ipad our our ipad app falls behind sometimes and it's just like because not only like not only is it hard to do it's like it's a much smaller user base um that you're developing for it's like really tiny compared to the number of people using an android phone right or even the, the number of people using an iPhone. So, like, if you can, like, make your thing way more awesome for, like, a gajillion people using an Android phone or, like, you know, a couple hundred thousand, maybe a couple million people using an Android tablet, like, you you have to weigh those, like, you know, those, those trade-offs, I guess. So, But then you get into that vicious circle where people aren't buying it because there are no apps and people aren't making apps because they're not buying it. Yeah, you know. Well, I think people. Yeah, I, you know. So why don't people buy Android tablets? I don't think there's enough marketing. I don't think there's a a, sing, a single big enough brand to match iPad on tablets. Um, well, Samsung makes tablets. 
Yeah, but they don't push them nearly as hard as the phones. I mean, you seem. When was the last True. time you saw a Samsung tablet ad? When I was in the Samsung Experience Store. I would hope <laughs> you did. If you didn't there, they'd really be in trouble. <laughs> but uh, I just think. I, I don't know. I mean, what really. Frankly, confused... Samsung's probably cannibalizing their tablets with their giant Note 2s with styluses, styli. Yeah. Well, and there's there's even more Samsung crap on the tablets than there is on the phone. I mean, they they layer the hell out of that. So, yeah. I mean, what what getting back to the HP laptop, what really confuses me about this is Microsoft has learned the hard way. You cannot take a touch phone and tablet operating system and put it on a laptop. They found that out the hard way. And I just it's not even a this isn't even a touchscreen laptop. I don't understand how or why oh. you would use a laptop running Android when you can yeah. get, yeah. Uh, you know, they haven't yeah. set a price. Obviously, it's going to be cheap because it's running Android, but now Microsoft is making Windows available for almost nothing on screens of certain sizes. I don't I think this would qualify, but at least I think it wouldn't be that expensive. You could even, you could run Chromebook on it really cheap. Um, it, it's just, it's really, it's just weird, and I can't see people... I understand the touch tablet that clicks into the dock keyboard. You can use it for both. Great. I'm a big fan of that. I don't get this permanent laptop, no touch screen, running Android. That's just really an unappealing prospect to me. Regardless of the apps or the Play Store or any of that. I just think the form factor is really weird. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't... I, I, I guess I just assumed it had a touch screen. Um, I'm sure without a touch screen, it's going to be way cheaper. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this will this is an this is Chromebook priced, I'm sure. Um, the other thing that confuses me is every device that has Google Play Store on it has to be rubber stamped by Google. Google has to approve it. You can't just put it on anything. Which tells me someone inside of Google saw this and thought it was a good idea. And to me, if I were in Google, I would be turning to HP and saying, "Why are you making an Android laptop when we've got Chrome, Chromebook, which is relatively you know people are seeming to like it. It's growing in size." And it's designed for a computer like this. That That's right. another thing that doesn't click. Why is Google allowing this to happen? Because what's going to happen is someone's going to buy this computer, hate it, and say, I'm never using Android again, regardless of how good it is on a phone or tablet. Yeah, that could be. Well, I don't no know. one's going to... No, is anyone really going to buy this? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I know. Well, it's like the same people who are buying, you know, Windows 8 tablets. It's... I mean, I I would make the argument now that the iPad is the undisputed tablet winner um, at this moment in time. And is that is that really only because of marketing, Sean? No, is the power no. of marketing that big? No, it's not. What marketing. other difference is there? Apps. But we just established there are no apps that are super cool, really, on iPad. But there's or is no competitor that big a deal. But there's no competitor to go to. That's what it is. It's not that the apps on the iPad are great. I would. I don't think that they. You don't buy it because of the apps. You buy it because of the marketing and the hype and the feel and all of those things. You stay with it and you never switch off of it because of the apps. Because I'm an owner of an iPad and I look at an Android tablet and I can't imagine a world in which I would switch. Now the phone, the phone for me is a toss-up. That's 50-50. I could see going either way, but on the tablet, mm -hmm. the the Android tablets never feel as good. They never run as good, at least not in my experience. It's just a Android phones have gotten refined over the years, so they're really good now. Android tablets haven't gotten that treatment. 
so while they're getting better, they're not there yet, whereas the iPad is at its peak. So, you know, it's not that the iPad is the greatest thing ever made. It's that Android's really weak, and Windows right now is weak. So where else are you going to go? Yeah, I don't know. I've been, I've been like, I've also lately been feeling like I'm, I'm very out of touch with how like normal people use computers. <laughs> like, I just don't understand. And the thing is, like, I can't, like, outside of work, I can't imagine what the, what the hell I would be using a computer for. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just. I think part of part of the reason is that because I'm on Facebook all day and like all our work stuff is in Facebook, I like don't want to go on Facebook, so I don't do that on the computer in my free well, time. Any sort of creation you'd still do on a computer, whether it's Photoshop or art or programming or design yeah. or writing. I mean, I watch Netflix, right? Uh, <laughs> you do that on your computer? Well, I do. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, if I'm watching with people, I don't do it on my computer. But, like, I don't have a TV in my room. So if I'm in my room watching something, it's on the computer. Mm. I mean, as the residential normal person of the show... Um, <laughs> the normie? The normie, yes. The the, the, <laughs> guy, the guy far removed from Silicon Valley and the like. Um, everyone I know who are mediocre average computer users who have gotten an iPad, have stopped using their laptops completely. Or barely oh, yeah. use it. So, my dad my dad has an iPad 1, still, that he uses every He's still every using day. that? Yes, as his daily computing device. Oh my god. He, he like, can't even upgrade it anymore. <laughs> um, because it doesn't support Windows, uh, iOS 7. But... He, he still uses it. And I, I, I expect he will use that until the screen dies. Yeah, those things are go forever. And yeah, they're built it, like it, tanks. Unlike yep. the iPhones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're built like glass. Yeah. No, I still... I bought an iPad over two years ago, and it. I thought about upgrading because the air is kind of smaller, you know, thinner and lighter, and that's kind of appealing. But other than that... There's no reason to, because all I do is browse the web and use the Kindle app, and I guess use the Mail app. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need it to be a high-performance device. No. Very few people do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, well, I, I still have an iPad 2. That's, I mean, that's four right. years old now. Shit. Yeah. Um, and, it, like, it runs stuff. It runs, like, games. I'm sure, I'm sure like... You know, I could get some more horsepower out of some badass games. And well, I'm, you don't have the Retina screen either, though. You don't, I don't desire that. I mean, I think I do, but I've never had it, so I don't think I know <laughs> what I'm missing. Like, it's one of those things. Like, once I got an iPhone four, going back would be crazy. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't, I don't have it, and that's. I also don't. I don't have a Retina screen. I have a MacBook Air, right? So I don't have a Retina screen there either. So it's like I don't. I'm not missing anything yet. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure once I crossed over, I would be. I suspect if I had a Retina MacBook or something, I I might 
be more bothered by the iPad, but I don't. And, so. Yeah, and your cinema display, tragically enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we should we should circle back to this topic at a later episode and talk about what needs to happen to tablets to get them to completely supersede computers in the same way that browsers have superseded apps. Like, when can 99% of everything be done on a tablet like it can in a browser right now? Because that's certainly not true. I think it has to become true, but I have no idea how it's going to happen. And, and at that later time, I will counteract you by saying, why would we want 99% of things on tablets? So... And I will have a response for Hey, you. look at that. What it, that's what we call a tease. Yeah. Um, very good. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's move on to another news story. Um, you know, we've talked before about how it's tough for the little guy to get their business up and started. You know, what if Netflix were starting today? Well, uh, AT&T doesn't really have that problem. They can just dump $500 million on starting their own video service. Uh, talk about pricing out the competition. Uh, AT&T and the Chernin Group... Um, tried to buy Hulu last year but failed, so now they're just going to take $500 million and just see what happens. Uh, they're going to launch what they call, uh, well, they're going to acquire, invest in, and or launch an over-the-top video service. Um, the, the company has over 110 million wireless subscribers and over 16 million broadband uh, customers. Uh, let me see if there's any more information to this announcement. Uh, we know Verizon, a while back, bought, if you guys remember, what was left of Intel's failed TV project. Um, they bought the technology Intel had developed, and they're working on something. Um, so it makes sense for AT&T to do it. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on this? No, I don't know that there's any more room for these services. Like, how many video streaming services are there? There's all the ones on my smart TV that I've never opened that aren't Amazon or Netflix or Hulu. Uh, there's that one that starts with a V. You know, it's like, I don't have enough room in my brain for any more of these brands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... You know, I think there's always room in the marketplace. I just don't know what value they would add over Netflix or Hulu. I mean, really, the battle now is over exclusive content. If you want to watch House of Cards, you have to have Netflix. Um, that's where the value comes in. The technology is generally similar. I mean, video is video being streamed. Um, it's about the catalog of content. So I think that's why it's going to cost AT&T so much is to go out and make these big deals and get exclusive content. And then you have to subscribe. Outside of that, no, Dan, I absolutely agree with you that there's so many services out there that you don't use and you don't hear of. And Netflix has something like 95% of the streaming video market, um, the rest being supplied by Amazon and Hulu. So um, I think it's a huge uphill battle. Really, the only advantage would be bundling. And that's, I think, Verizon's yeah. long-term strategy, I'm guessing, because they own Redbox now um, with Redbox Instant, and they're building whatever this uh, Intel project is. And my guess would be eventually the stream is going to be bundled with your cable subscription, with your wireless subscription, with your internet subscription. That's, I think, where the value comes in. Then again, though, like in this, in this post-net neutrality world... Huh. Who 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 has the upper hand in you know in in this like time where you have to pay ISPs for for bandwidth to get your thing there as fast as possible like 
it makes perfect sense for an ISP because they can do whatever they want because they're the ISP. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's vertical integration, right? That's yeah, Comcast buying NBC Universal. It's the exact same concept, and you know, under under these rules, the way it would work is Comcast couldn't slow down Netflix, but it could speed up NBC Universal so long as it discloses it to the government. Right. Right. So they're absolutely allowed to do that. So you're you're 100 right, and I think that's what AT and T is thinking. Um, yeah. in, in the long term, they they want to own it and and they want to do it. But I agree. Is there room in the marketplace? Can they make these deals? Um, my, my guess is they they probably want to acquire somebody more than they want to um, to to build something from scratch. But it, it's tough to say now. Plus, who do you buy? Um, so yeah, yeah. Mo most of the guys are either too big or already owned by somebody. So um, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Um, let's move on. Uh, we've got time for one more story, uh, is, mm. and we've got three left in the rundown. We talked a long time on uh, Android laptops and net neutrality. So do you guys have any uh, any one of these you want to talk about more than the other? We've, I think we've, we've talked. Oh. Yeah, well, I was going to – I'll summarize them for everybody, and then we won't talk about two of them. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, – we could talk about Samsung apps and how people use them, uh, Windows speeding up their updates, and how Square is out of money. Uh, it, does any one of those sound appealing? I guess the Square one's the most interesting because we already know that no one uses the Samsung apps. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've bitched about that enough on the – on this podcast, yeah, once once every couple of weeks. I agree. Um, so let's talk about Square. So earlier this month, uh, well, first of all, Square. If you know Square, uh, they handle uh, payments. They got the little. I should have grabbed mine. I have one. Uh, the little uh, card swiper that plugs into your headphone jack on your phone. Um, although you can also enter the card numbers, and they do payments. You can also use it to power the registers at your store, or uh, with cash. You can, uh, which is the name of the app. You can send. Uh, money to your friends um they also have a third product which is square market which they didn't reference in this article uh and but, you can sell things on on square market yeah so square market actually is kind of like an etsy a competitor pseudo yeah huh. yep well i like etsy better thanks me too uh <laughs> we're not biased at all um, if only if only Etsy would acquire a company that focuses on electronics, then I could really be. Yeah, then it could be a one-stop shop. Are you kidding me? Screw Walmart. Then we could help. We could use all that technology to help people manufacture more responsibly, and it'd be pretty awesome. Okay, pay us, Etsy. Where's our money? <laughs> we want to cut. We'll t we'll gladly take your ad money. Um, so Square earlier this month took uh, $100 million in debt funding from Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, the reason Are you clear on what debt funding is? Because I read it and I wasn't entirely sure. So what I know is the reason you take the debt funding is because it bumps the value of your company because all of a sudden you have $100 million, so your company's mm -hmm. worth more. You do that before you get acquired or you go public. Does that make sense? Yeah. Facebook and okay. Twitter also both raised debt before going public, as a comparison. 
that's so weird. Oh, you know how the stock market Raising is. debt just seems like a bad idea. Well, but, and, but you pay I it back right away it. on all the money you make on the IPO. Um, yeah. However, it can also be a bad sign. Um, uh, Foursquare took $41 million in debt uh, a year or two ago, um, and that was seen as evidence that the company was struggling to attract new investment. Um, and needed the money to stay afloat. So the question for Square is, which of those two situations is it? Is it a company that's on a roller, co- you know, a rocket ship to success, or are they um, in trouble and need the money? Um, Wall Street Journal reports that uh, during the first quarter of 2014, a Square executive told a potential acquirer that the company had nine months before it would hit uh, a predetermined cushion of funds set aside as a last resort. Um, which is not good for a company of that size. A startup usually has between one and two years of runway uh, before it runs out of cash. Um, While Square processes billions of dollars each year, they have a very thin margin on those revenues, just 2.75% fee on the transaction, uh, but 70 to 80% of that fee ends up going to credit card companies, uh, which means they get less than 1% of gross revenues. Even if it was processing $10 billion a year, it would keep less than $100 million. Um, the other side of that is that uh, Square seems to be struggling to grow the size, uh, the side of its business in a consumer conservative, such as the Square Wallet app that let you pay with your phones, um, Square Cash, which are sending money, that's where they make more money than in just handling credit card transactions. Um, so the question is, um, six months ago, Square looked like it was ready to be acquired or head for an IPO, and today it looks like they're in trouble. Um, what, what does the future look like for Square? I don't know. <laughs> so one of the, did we discuss the, the revenue problems? Yes, and the fact that that they make so little on the credit card transactions, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so they have to make up for it by just doing a whole heck of a lot of them. Um, So I don't think that, I don't, I'm not a business person. I think the more interesting story here is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the more interesting story is. I I (laughs) learned about you talking about it from you talking about it, though, so... I'm just being really selfish by bringing this story up. <laughs> no, it's understandable. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I think, I think Square's always going to be in trouble if their margins continue to be this low. I think that's just a fact. Um, yeah. How do you resolve that? Square oh. could open a bank and handle the and not farm out the the actual credit card transfers to another company. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're still paying Visa and Mastercard and all these companies. They just bump the fee up slightly they're really a middleman yeah i think that's almost impossible like even simple didn't do that yeah you're really the the credit card companies have such a monopoly on on the industry unless square was going to bump its percentage up to some crazy rate i think they're always going to be screwed in the credit card transaction Right, business. which is probably why they're trying to expand into different businesses. Right, and the the question is, can those businesses succeed? I mean, the problem is mm-hmm. none of these businesses are particularly proprietary. Cash is something PayPal's been doing for years, sending money to other people. Um, the Square Market is something Etsy and other companies have been doing for years. Um, I think the, to I me... Think, so, so I will say, like, I think cash as a thing is pretty cool, and like 
in in I think several ways is objectively better than any of any of the other ways of electronically sending money. However, like do they I don't think they make any money off it. They in fact they're probably taking a hit because it doesn't cost you anything to use Square Cash and they don't have the like there's never the point at which your money is in their possession. It just like goes straight <laughs> through. So like they're fronting the transfer fee for whatever transfer fees that are in between that. Like I feel like Square Cash is like uh like getting people into the Square ecosystem thing more than more than anything else. I don't know, like maybe that's maybe I'm I'm mistaken, but like yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, to to me, the only part of Square's business that that I say has potential is in the register business. Um, I, I think most small and medium sized businesses are unhappy with the expensive and cumbersome register systems they have to buy, and I would like to see Square take an Apple route and just make really, really kick ass hardware. And even if they charge a little extra on the credit card transaction fees, they make it up in really great software and really great hardware that businesses want to use. And will it ever be a billion-dollar business? Probably not. But I think they could make enough money there to survive. But I, I, I like this idea. I, want, I like the idea of being able to just take a credit card on my phone. I mean, that's really cool. I yeah. don't know if you can build a, a profit-making business out of it, a public company. You know, uh, Square's finding that out the hard way. Yeah, it's just the thing. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense in... I don't know. No, I think I think you're right. Like, it's... That can't be your only thing. Yeah, d- just the transactions aren't, aren't going to make yeah. you money. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... I think in the... So, all right, so so my, my mom runs, like, uh, a small, like, local art consignment store in in the town my parents live in. And she uses, she uses Square. And one of the things she's, like, been thinking about is, like, how to sell things online and, like, how to deal with, like, inventory management and stuff because it's, like, a huge pain in the ass. Um, like, that's a ton of work for her because it's all, like, you know, these people bring her a bunch of stuff and she has to tag it and sell it and keep track of it all. Um, and she uses Square and she likes it a lot. And 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 from what I understand, she that's basically her inventory system is Square. Um, so like, you know, maybe you're right as a, as a like integrated point of sale system. I mean, I think as, as an affordable yeah. system like that, I mean, obviously Target has, tar- you know, the Targets and Walmarts and giant department stores of the world all pay probably egregious amounts of money, like just obscene amounts of money for their inventory and like, you know, point of sale stuff. Uh, but like, if if you could bring that, if if, if that's what you brought to small small businesses and like maybe the answer is to charge for that instead of trying to make money off credit card fees yeah it it Uh, just it just needs fit and finish and polish and you know some of these believe it or not the supermarket i used to work at um all the registers ran on windows 2000 and this was not that pretty good uh, I, well, I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> These the systems suck, and they're a, a bitch to update and to work with. And 
you know, I think Square could do something really cool and do the entire inventory management all the way through shipping and labeling and package, you know, inventory. Uh, there, there's room to grow. It's just, I don't know if it's in, you know, strictly credit yeah, card straight. transactions. But I think, it, I think it's good for them that they can do payments. Oh, yeah. I think that's great, but I don't... It can't the more be we talk about it, the more I think that, like, that's a really hard thing to be your only thing. Yep, I agree. Um, all right, well, that uh, wraps up the news for us this week. Let's move on to our picks. Uh, all right, picks this week. Um, we're going to have Colby go first because there isn't one for him in the dock, so it's a complete mystery for me. Colby, uh, do you have what? a pick this week? <laughs> Don't be rude. No, I don't know. Oh, is there? Oh, I, my screen is half. Oh, there we go. All right, what is... Uh... There you go. Yeah, I know. I, I bitch slapped you. What can I say? <laughs> it happens. It does, time to time. You tried to reprimand me, but in fact... I got schooled. Yes. Um, tell us about <laughs> Exist. I exist, you exist, this app exists. Does it, though? It's true. What, what's the story? Um, <laughs> so, Exist, we've probably talked about this on the show before, about how like things like Fitbit are kind of cool, but they don't actually tell you anything useful. Um... This is what I In want. fact, we've, prob- we've probably talked about this more than once. Like, thanks. I, I have a count of how many steps I took yesterday and how long I slept. But what does that mean? Um, so, Exist is... this is They're still in, in super beta. To be honest, they, they tried to do a sort of crowdfunding thing, and it I guess it didn't work so well. Um huh. So they, they just opened it up to like you can pay sixty bucks or whatever and be in their their beta testing. Um, so I did, and that basically their 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 game plan is to take in all your, all of your your data that you're sending to various places around the internet, um, like like all your Fitbit stuff and your check-ins and the weather, which is not your data, but it's just data. Um, what else does it do? It also does music. So, so it, it'll, it works with your last FM and brings in your music. Um, and it, they, they're trying to like aggregate everything together and like give you useful insights into like you, I guess, which is kind of cool. Um, it's, it's, it's in the early stages right now, but it, it's been really fun. And it's, you know, it's given me motivation to use the parts of Fitbit that I didn't use before. Like, I, I for a while, I logged my sleep, and then I was like, no, this is lame. But since I, I started using Exist, it's been way more fun. I'm going to see if I can share my screen right now. All right. Because... Here we go. Aha. Does it work? Can you see it? Yeah. Uh, Woo! Yes, indeed. No, I got it. Cool. Nice. Yeah, so, um, 
basically you have this like dashboard of all your things so you can see my like these are all my stats for the week so there's like my steps and the distance and how long I slept how long it 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 has how long you slept how long you spent in bed um so that's like sleeping minus the times that you are awake based on like your Fitbit stuff um what time you got up how many times you woke up during the night um they also do a thing where if you want to every night they'll email you at like I think they email me at at nine o'clock um and they ask me my mood for the day um which is really interesting. Um, which, to be honest, they, they ask you your mood, and then you can leave a little note. Like, so you can do a number and then like a little note, and which I, I found really satisfying. Like, at at the day, I mean, at the end of the day, I say like, you know, I'm pissed off because I just I spent like eight hours traveling today or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really cool, and they 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 haven't done anything with the 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 little snippets yet, but I expect something really cool or anything. Uh, <laughs> maybe it won't be cool, but it could be. And then so this is just the dashboard, and then they have this insights tab, uh, which is where they try and uh, like tell you useful things. So I think this screen is just like a giant average of all all your things. But then they have these correlations. Um, so they do that. We can look at the mood one. So this one here is uh, you're 53 percent less likely to have a good day when the overnight temperature is higher. Huh. Uh, How does it what know that? what the temperature is? So you tell it, you give it your zip code, basically, and it pulls in weather data from uh, external sources. That's awesome. How do how do you pay to get the early access to this thing? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. It might be that you had to have signed up for the, um, the the crowdfunding thing they did. Oh, uh, I did. Okay. Um. Hmm. So this is this one, this one I find interesting, and this is this is like this one. It's you're forty five percent more likely to have a better day on days when you woke more during sleep. <laughs> Which at first I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But then I realized it does make perfect sense because I I wake more on when I sleep longer. So like I wake more on the weekend because. I'll wake up and just go back to bed. Yeah. Um, but I, which I don't do during the week because during the week I get woken up by my alarm clock and that sucks. But right. I just get woken up. So it was really fun. I'm 38% more likely to have a good day when I check in more. That's also true because I check in more on the weekends. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, a lot of these are pretty basic, and they give you this like confidence rating of how how strong the correlation is. Um, but it's cool. So, like you can you can there are correlations for all the like all the different stats that it tracks. But it's neat so far. I've been enjoying it. It like has has given my Fitbit a like 
second wind. I was sort of bored with it. All right. So, yeah. That's Exist.io. So, I don't know. And maybe you can't sign up for it, but you could join their mailing list, I'm sure. Cool. Cool, cool. Exist.io. Get, get some stats for your life. and Quantify yourself. Yeah, there you go. Um, now, Dan, I know you have a very uh, tech-centric pick this week. Yeah. Yeah, t- <laughs> t- tell me about this. So the way I consume television is I find a show that's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, and I kind of... Actually, this is how I consume most content. I just watch it or read it or listen to it to death. Uh, for a long time, that was How I Met Your Mother... And then that kind of got bad. And then I've recently have watched all of 30 Rock multiple times, just like start to finish and then starting again at the beginning at least three or four times. I decided that I should maybe stop doing that, despite the fact that it did not get old, uh, to try out uh, Parks and Recreation. So I also recently finished re-watching all of The Office because I kind of fell off of that at some point four, five, six years ago. Uh, And that was good. And so I was like, well, I enjoyed that, and I kind of miss it, so maybe I'll just, you know, have Parks and Rec on in the background while I'm eating dinner or uh, just tooling around the computer, whatever. Uh, And I've been really enjoying it. It, I think it takes... It's so similar to The Office that you kind of have to suspend your disbelief a little bit and just accept that this is a similar premise that has different characters and that you need to reset your expectations for how it'll work but uh i've got a couple i've had a couple of laughs out loud so far which is <laughs> something pretty much only 30 rock has achieved when i'm by myself watching something i don't usually laugh but 30 rock and parks and rec do it uh and it's on netflix that's so, all i've got so excellent how far <laughs> did you say how far into the series you were no. And in fact, I don't even know. Uh, I don't know for two reasons. One, because uh, it doesn't matter to me what season it is. And two, because my old housemate from last year watched it all on my Netflix account, so uh, the progress <laughs> is all messed up. Uh, I, I think I'm on season three. Okay. But maybe the uh, end of season two. You're, you're, you're in prime prime top of the show category right there that that's when it's at its best season two season three and season four right in there i mean yeah the middle of season three yeah so that really, that really was the best like i've been so i also recently started well i didn't i guess it was a while ago because i'm caught up i'm like at the most recent whatever there's i mean i just watched the season finale of whatever season they're on but <laughs> I recall that being by by far just really fantastic. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised, and I didn't give it a chance because it was so similar to The Office. But give it a chance, it, it Sean. Is. What do you got for us? Um, I've got I've got a couple things, Dan. One, uh, if you're a fan of fantastic television, then you should catch the podcast live on tape, part of the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network, at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv slash live on tape. There you'll find all kinds of fun things you can watch on television and on streaming. Okay, for my pick, um, I'm going to pull a Dan Miller and pick some books. Yeah. Two books. I've just gotten back into reading. I have not 
read for fun in quite some time, and I'm just getting back into it, and I've been sucked in. Um, so I just finished one book, and I'm in the middle of another. So the first book I finished was called Going Clear. Um, this is a, I believe, a relatively new release. I have to look at the exact release date, but I just read, yeah, January 17th of last year. Um, so it's relatively new. And it's by Lawrence Wright, and it's a history of Scientology, the religion. Now, I won't say anything bad about Scientology, uh, because they do terrible things to people who say bad things about them, but, uh, although I, I guess that right there was something not nice to say, but the book is absolutely, without a doubt, one of the most fascinating books I've ever had the pleasure to read, because you you either think you know a bunch of stuff about Scientology, or you just assume everyone who believes in it is crazy, and it's so fascinating, A, to learn about L. Ron Hubbard and his life and where he comes from and his experiences, and, and B, what the, re what the religion actually believes in, what it's about, what the different levels are, all the kind of intricate stuff, and... It was just, I could not put it down. I was flying through it. It was such an interesting read. I highly, highly recommend. Um, you'll have a whole new perspective on Scientology when you're done. Um, it's really well written. It's really balanced. The, you know, the guy doesn't go in saying, oh, this is baloney. It's all crazy. I mean, he's a really good author. And perhaps the most interesting thing I took away from it was that Scientology actually makes a lot of sense. Right up to the part of Lord Xenu and space aliens and... <laughs> Thetans and all that stuff. The, psych <laughs> the psychology aspect of how they use um, auditing to, to get rid of bad emotions and things like is actually very fascinating. And I can see how it kind of works on people. And then they throw it all in the garbage with the crazy space stuff. So uh, I recommend reading the book. It's called Going Clear by Lawrence Wright. You can get it for your Kindle, 10 bucks. It's also in uh, other formats, but we're a digital podcast, so we won't talk about that. The book I'm in the middle of now did a two for this week is called one summer america 1927 it's by bill bryson and it's a book about the summer of 1927 now you say to yourself well that sounds really boring what happened in the summer of 1927 but it was actually a really influential summer and the reason i wanted to read this book i know nothing about the 20s that's a, a period of american history i really don't know that much about like, i know a lot about the 60s and the 50s and the 70s don't know a lot about the 20s but the summer of 27 was Charles Lindbergh, uh, the first flight across the Atlantic, um, Babe Ruth uh, hitting his home run record, um, uh, a famous murder, Calvin Coolidge, um, the first talking picture. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on, and, and all these stories interweave with one another, and it's so well written and creates a great narrative that I've learned a lot and how important this time period was for American history, and most people don't realize it. Like, how big of a deal it was that Charles Lindbergh had flown across the Atlantic. I, I mean, he was just absolutely blown away um, by, by the response he got from the people. Uh, his, his arrival in New York was the first coast-to-coast uh, -coast broadcast. Um, I mean, just really fascinating. So it's once a uh, summer by America, uh, once summer, America 1927 by Bill Bryson. It's 10.99 on Kindle, um, also available in other formats, and it is an absolutely wonderful book that um, I can't recommend enough. I haven't finished it, so it could suck at the end, but I'm gonna hope not. Um, so yeah, that's uh, those are my picks. We gotta at some point. I, I gotta put on my to do list to get an Amazon affiliate link for us. so We can get kickbacks on these. Um, 
Totally. When we pajamas on stuff. But yes, Going Clear and One Summer, uh, a couple books, add them to your uh, Kindle library. I highly recommend. Well, there you go. Wow. Boy, has time flown. We, we had a, I think we had a really great show today. Yeah, and we teased the good next show. We did. I like when we kind of go off topic a little bit, like when we got into the tablet discussion. Um, yeah. Because that's where I think we have our, our best stuff. So that was I like when we do that. That was great. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Well, <laughs> of course I have to thank the uh, Orville and Wilbur Wright of technology, Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau, uh, as always, for being the co-host with the most. You can catch them both on this show and on Change Mode, uh, the show about programming that matters. Uh taping this wednesday night 10 p.m eastern uh coffee and beer tv slash live um and you can catch the show past episodes at coffee and beer tv um there you go i will plug for you guys um we appreciate all of you out there for watching of course we are don't panic monday nights 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific uh at our website don't panic.io uh get past episodes links the live stream all of it right there um, and of course, I want to remind everybody we're having our May Madness swag giveaway. May Madness swag radness, as Dan Miller would say. Uh, mm-hmm. And you should definitely enter to win because you got a good shot of getting some sweet coffee and beer swag. Uh, coffeeandbeer.tv slash giveaway. And this week's code word is launch. So use code word launch and you'll be entered to win. I believe the rules are you can enter up to two times per day and up to ten times per code word. And there'll be probably a follow we'll do a code word each week just so we know you're watching so um very exciting so i recommend you do that get some cool free stuff right you don't pay anything for the show and we're giving away stuff we're like the nicest people um (laughs) very good but we thank all of you for watching we'll be back here uh next monday with another exciting show and some cool stuff to talk about this week is uh the facebook uh developers conference correct uh yeah yeah on on Wednesday I believe right yes yeah, so uh we might have there might be announcements who knows this because they haven't had it for a couple years right I yeah I think you're right um yeah I think there's there's some exciting stuff planned Ooh, my, uh, what a my, tease my roommate works on like the platform team like that does the I mean, they, so his team works on the developer site, but I, I know he's been working pretty hard coming up for in preparation over the last couple of weeks for F8. So, so you're going to want to tune in next week. We're going to have all the scoop from that and all the tech news you can handle. Uh, but with that, we will wish you all a fair good night. We'll see you next week right back here on Don't Panic. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.